spirit of the living God, you breathed into the dust that became Adam. And he became a living being. You breathed on your church, pouring out the spirit and empowered the provision. prayer is that you breathe on the words that are written on the page or that will come out of my mouth. Touching our hearts. Reaching us. Connecting with us. And drawing us into the love of God. In Jesus' name. I'd like to begin this morning with a bit of a quiz. I've got a series of advertising slogans, most of them are fairly well known, and uh, I wonder if you can tell me which company or product is or was associated with these slogans. Okay? So the first one is, have a break, have a... Brilliant, well done. Kit Kat. You get the idea. It does exactly what it says on the tin. Yep, run sale, yep. Because I'm worth it. Yes, it's L'Oreal, yes. Every little helps. Tesco's, yes. Should have gone to Specsavers, yes. Gives you wins. Red Bull. There's Red Bull. You said it like you just had a big Red Bull. So maybe those of you who are a little more senior or who have lived in the UK or a bit longer will know this one. Don't leave home without it. It was a credit card. It was a Barclay card. It was American Express. Yes, when I know who it was, it's going to afford the American Express. <laughs> So, yeah, it was, this one was used a whole series of ads for American Express and from well-known celebrities like Roger Daltrey, Peter Ustinov, Semi Ballesteros, and they would all start by asking, do you know who I am, sort of thing, and then they would go on to explain how being famous didn't get them everything without having to pay, but if you were a member of American Express, it was the next best thing, you, so you should never go anywhere, they would never go anywhere without it, nor should you. Don't leave home without it. But a very subtle difference, it's a strap line that Jesus could have applied to the Holy Spirit. Don't leave home without it. 
Today, is, as we've already mentioned, is Pentecost Sunday. It's sometimes known as the birthday of, of the church. We remember God sending the Holy Spirit on the church to empower them for the mission set before them, a mission that's been handed down the generations right down to the present day. Pentecost was, first and foremost, a Jewish festival called Shavuot. And there are three there were three major Jewish festivals each year. Passover was one, Sukkot or the Feast of Tabernacles was another, and the three Shavuot was the last well known, but was still one of the big highlights in the Jewish year, with pilgrims from all over their known world converging on Jerusalem. And it was sometimes called the Feast of Weeks as well, because it occurred seven weeks or a week of weeks after Passover. It marked the wheat harvest or the spring harvest. That's where the Christian festival spring harvest gets its name. But within the faith community, it also marked the single most important event in Judaism, the giving of the law or the Torah at Sinai. And amongst those in Jerusalem at that point, there were followers of Jesus. Ten days earlier, they had been with him on the Mount of Olives in the vicinity of Bethany. They had been told, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that his father had promised, which Jesus said he had told him about. He added, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And on the last occasion he was with them, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. And that was the last thing Jesus said to them, and then he was taken from them into heaven. But he had given them that instruction or that promise, you will receive power, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift for the Holy Spirit, which my Father has promised. The Holy Spirit is coming to you. Don't leave Jerusalem without him. And it happened. Ten days later, on what we now know as Pentecost Sunday, they were gathered together in one place, when suddenly there was a sound like a blowing of a violent wind which came from heaven and filled the whole place where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in a variety of tongues or languages as the Spirit enabled them. And I kind of find it hard to visualize what those outside would have actually witnessed, but clearly it was something because they all keep seeing the converge or wherever the followers of Jesus were and began to hear this motley band of Galileans speaking their own language. And from that small band, Acts 1 suggests there were maybe about 120 of them, the vast majority, very ordinary people, became a movement which today accounts for over 2 billion people on the planet. It's often said that the resurrection of Jesus transformed a bunch of ordinary, fearful men and women into a band who lived out to change the world. And that is largely true. The change of the, the, the empty tomb and the events which follows brought by the disciples is one of the more compelling pieces of evidence for the resurrection. Without the resurrection, it's very hard to envisage any of what happened afterwards. 
But it was Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, which was to really transform them into the community who changed the world. They did what Jesus said. They waited and the Spirit came. They received the power he promised. And that was what really made the difference. Because they did leave home without it. And there's something of that in both of our readings this morning. The reading from Exodus might, be, might have been a little familiar to some of you if you use the Lectio 365 app. Because that was one of their readings for this week. And I was originally only going to speak about on the John passage. Then I thought this went quite well. But the Exodus passage comes as Moses is about to lead the people out from Sinai on the journey towards the Promised Land. But Moses, as he often was, was quite apprehensive. Moses was very aware of his own shortcomings. Once before, years earlier, he had tried to take matters into his own hands when he killed an Egyptian who was mistreating a Hebrew slave. And he'd been rejected, and he ended up living in the wilderness, tending sheep until he encountered God in the burning bush. And Moses wants to know that if he goes ahead and does this, he is not going to be left alone. And God promises him, promises him, my presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And then Moses responded, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else is going to distinguish me and your people from all the other people around us? Moses is acknowledging that he and the people cannot set out or should not set out unless God was with them. If they go it alone, they might as well not bother. It won't end well. And that's the way God has worked through people down through the generations. That's what really sets the people that God works through apart. It's not just that they do right stuff or good things or whatever. Oh, that's important. It's because God goes with them. They carry God's presence with them. As Lectio put it on Wednesday, God isn't looking for people to work for him. He seeks out those who long to walk and work with him. And that same idea is running through the passage in John. Earlier I mentioned Jesus promising the Spirit to the disciples. He had told them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift his Father had promised, which he had told them about. And John 15 is part of the passage where he was telling them about it. We picked it up part of the way through. It was the night Jesus was to be arrested. He spoke about how he's going away. And the disciples were quite rightly troubled. He says, but Jesus tells them, don't, don't be so troubled. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor, another advocate to help you and be with you. The spirit of truth. He adds, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The advocate or the Holy Spirit, the counselor, the one whom my father will spend money, he'll teach you all the things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. And in the passage where we share, Jesus builds up a word picture of a vine with branches. Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He urges them to remain in me as I will remain, and I will remain in you. No, bear, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given me. Eight times in a very small handful of verses, Jesus uses a signal word. Remain. Stay connected. That image of the vine and its branches is a powerful one. I'm told that Hampton Court has what is probably the largest vine in the world. It's 250 years old. It has a base of around four meters and some rods are about a hundred meters long. But even some of the smallest branches, farthest away from the main stem, still produce good grapes because they remain connected to the vine. Before going to heaven, Jesus told the disciples, not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. He told them, when that, when that Spirit came, they would receive power, and they would be his witnesses wherever they were found. And in John, he told them, if they remained in him, stayed connected to him, they would be fruitful and productive. Without him, they couldn't do nothing. However, before he said this, he said, he said with him, anyone who believes in me will do what I've been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus says, without me, you can do nothing. But with him, as Paul had said in Ephesians, they can do immeasurably more than they can ask or imagine according to his work in us. And whether it's in Jerusalem in AD 30 or in Harrow in 2023, it's the Holy Spirit who takes a bunch of people gathered together and turns us into a church. Without the Spirit, there is nothing to distinguish us from any other club, group, charity, organization in this area or beyond. It's the Holy Spirit that takes us from a religion into a community with a living faith. In the comedy Open All Hours, there's a character who's played by Stephanie Cole. She's known as Delphine Featherstone. She's nicknamed the Black Widow. And in one episode, she makes a comment. It's always stuck with me. She says this. I'm not a religious woman, but I find that I just say no to everything and it amounts to the same thing. We've all met somebody like that, I'm sure, at some point or other. And it's interesting that Moses and God have the conversation we read about this morning right after God has given them the Ten Commandments and the Law. No sooner had Moses received that law than he comes down the mountain and he sees the people worshipping a golden calf. And he knows he's going to have his work cut out. Left to their own devices, that goes so wrong. They really needed the presence of God to go with them. And it was there in the comments Jesus made to the disciples. One that echoed something that John the Baptist had said himself. Jesus, John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
You see, it's one thing to read the Bible and to know the right thing to do and what God wants of us. And you might even kind of think that makes sense. And we might all kind of think, well, if we all just lived the way Jesus wanted us to, the world would be a better place. Fair enough. But then we try to do it and we discover something. It's flipping hard. Our own, we can't. Baptism with water can signal our intention to embrace the new life that Jesus came to show us and offer. It's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to live. We can want to be a people who seek to share the love of God in the world, and our best efforts will get us a little way along that road. But it's the Holy Spirit that will make the difference, that will make us produce stuff that will last. Earlier this week, it was the 285th anniversary of an important moment in Christianity in this country. It happened not far from here, just further down the Met Line near Barnacan Station in Aldersgate Street. A young Anglican minister, not long back from a spectacularly failed uh, mission to Georgia, USA, largely in disgrace, attended a Moravian worship meeting. He was exhausted. He was depressed. He really didn't want to be there. But that night, he had an experience where he felt his heart, in his words, strangely warm. And it transformed him from a man who had a really rigid religion to someone who was drawn close to God and assured of his love. And it was an experience which was to launch a movement which still exists today. For it was John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. It was the spirit that transformed him from a failed missionary to one of the greatest evangelists in the evangelical era in this country. And it's the spirit which if we let him transforms us for there will be times when the life God calls us to isn't easy. Following Jesus does involve difficult choices. But as we open ourselves in the Spirit, He transforms us into people who more naturally want to live the life God is calling us to. It's not a quick fix. It's the work of a lifetime. It's like that the, the, the sort of mythical idea of painting the fourth road bridge in Edinburgh. When you think it's done, it's, you have to go back and start all over again. On our own, the life of faith will always be a slog. When we try to do it on our own, it is hard to make sense of Jesus saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But as we work alongside him, allowing him to bear the load, it starts to fall into place. And how do we connect to the Spirit? Well, in a sense, it's easy. Jesus answered it in a word. Some words which are quite familiar, but Luke's Gospel gives it a slightly different language. He says, Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, 
the one who sits right and the one the one who knocks the door will be open if you know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the father in heaven give the holy spirit to those who ask him the holy spirit is the way we connect with jesus as we seek to follow him in our world he has promised if we trust him he won't leave us as orphans he will be with us he will empower us comfort us encourage us challenge us teach us remind us convict us transform us but he will make a difference to us not because we simply live a certain way but because we are carrying his presence with us if we try to do it on our own there'll be a slow it will fall short but we don't have to. He is with us, among us, within us. He will never leave or forsake us. So let's take him with us. Let's take the Holy Spirit. And don't leave home without him. Grace and peace be.